Hey, Mike Lynch here. Hey, and I'm Patrick Harris. You probably like baseball, which is why you're listening to this. This is the uh, Hot Corner Podcast. Well, I kind of like baseball. I guess I'll tune in. Baseball's pretty neat, so thanks for listening. This is brought to you by your local Les Schwab Tire Center. Doing the right thing since 1952. Woo, baseball! This is the Hot Corner with Harrison Lynch. Bregman would like to get him to scamper home. Two on, two out. Tenth inning. That's in the air to left. Here comes Fisher. Throw by Ethier. Astros win it. A deep dive on baseball. Wade Boggs is a Hall of Fame third baseman. The man's a legend. And much more. He drank 50 beers on a cross-country flight and then absolutely destroyed the Seattle Mariners the next day, okay? <laughs> the number of beers is actually highly disputed. Some say 50. Some said as many as 70 beers. Which is an absolutely insane amount of beer. Nobody can drink that much. Not with an attitude like that. Now, here are your hosts for the Hot Corner, Patrick Harris. The seven-foot kid that strokes it with the acne on his back. And Mike Lynch. Excuse me, he looks really hot. On 1080 The Fan. Hey, bada, 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 sawing, bada. Hey, hit records on my demo. Did y'all boys not get the memo? I do not stay at the Intercontinental. Wednesday night, everybody. 7.04, Mike Lynch here with you today. Patrick Harris out. Dealing with uh, a family situation today. So we wish him well and uh, hope everything turns out okay on that end. It's just a quick turn and burn show for Joe and I today. One hour till 8 o'clock. We're leading you into the Ducks Pac-12 tournament game, which is against Washington State tonight. But yet I think the both of us are going to have a difficult time focusing because even though it's only an hour show and we should be able to find a nice little bit of uh, baseball to talk about for an hour Both of our favorite college basketball teams are playing each other right now in the ACC tournament, and one of us is way happier than the other one, and uh, spoiler alert, it's not me. Yeah, um, Pitt, Syracuse on right now, ESPN2. And Pitt is about to take a 31-22 lead in the first half. And you joked with me on the uh, on text earlier. You go, you gonna be able to do the show if Pitt's winning by twenty? <laughs> I said by twenty, yeah, by two, no. Oh, we're trending towards winning by twenty. You have a guy who's five for six from three point range, so you know things are going great. Yeah, honestly, I was uh, looking forward because uh, I think I realized first that Oregon played Washington State, and then I was looking forward to Patrick and I trading uh, barbs tonight and going back and forth about Wazoo and Oregon. And then shortly after that, I realized that Syracuse and Pitt were playing in the ACC tournament. Fortunately, you know, Patrick's not here tonight, so I'll at least be able to uh, yeah, get one of the matchups and be able to talk to someone about it. So. <laughs> Are you truly an Oregon basketball fan and Oregon basketball fan? Yes and no. There's that, like, obligation because, because you went, you went to school yeah. and you're, like, forking over, you know, thousands of dollars to that school, so you feel like you have to in a sense. Um, nice facilities, you know, my money's going to, towards those facilities. Okay. I like to believe that. Um, so yes, I have the affiliation, but I've been rooting for Pitt since early two thousands. So it will always be them first. I do believe that our starting center has four fouls already and it's four fifty four to go in the first <laughs> half. Oh man. And just so you know, in, in college, it's not six, it's five to foul out. I always thought that was a strange rule in a game that players are not as skilled. And frankly, there's more contact why do you have one less foul as you're knocked out of the game or you're fouled out rate? Give them the two NBA? more, eight fouls, and they well, just foul make out. It, either make it the same or make it seven. Why is it one less? Right? There's fouls constantly in college basketball. Well, especially ACC, Big East play back in the day. You know, Big Ten. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah. Well, Syracuse is losing by 10, so nothing, I, nothing. I hate everything. Um, if this loss knocks us out of the tournament, I'm going to be really PO'd. <laughs> hey, this will be momentum for a uh, young pit team that needs it. And I uh, honestly, I'm sure our listeners are just thrilled at this conversation that we're having now. Well, I mean, it's, <laughs> I think it's interesting to listen to two people who are on different sides of a game that's on. Like last year's Yankees Indians game was, or two years ago now, was, uh, was great radio, even though Patrick hated it. So at some point it is kind of funny, but right now we're in the first half. So things are fine. We only have an hour today. We're on till eight. And because we didn't have a show last week, which by the way, we didn't know was happening. So we teased that we were going to do the AL central preview. We never got to that because we didn't know that was happening. It's kind of funny though, because is there really much to preview in that division? We've got the Indians and everybody else. I'll, I'll spend a tiny bit of time on it, but beyond that, we'll kind of skim past that division. I do want to talk about the rules changes that the Atlantic league are going to be testing out this year for major league baseball. I'm Pretty passionate about some of that, and some of it I'm, I'm okay with happening. So we'll talk about that on the show, and then we'll also get to the other division that we were going to preview today. Are you going to go old man, Patrick, with these rule <laughs> changes? Uh, maybe on one or two of them, but generally they're fine. But there's one that really frustrates me. Don't and, touch and, my baseball. Leave it alone. Yes. <laughs> I, I 100% feel that. Do not touch my sport, please. Uh, what division should we do today? I'm saving the AL West for John, which is in two weeks. We've already done nice. the NL West. NL West and the NL Central. Yeah, so I and think we need to do the AL Central, AL. we're going to do a quick skim. That's so right. that leaves the NL East, which I think Patrick probably wants to do because it's really interesting. Right. And the AL East, which, I mean, it's easy for me because it's the division I watch the most, but I don't know Likewise. if Patrick wants to talk about that. Likewise, I mean, I don't know how much of I'll watch it this year, you know, but. Uh, I hope all 162 games, Joe, be a fan. Come on, man. All right, let's do the AL East today then. So we'll we'll get to that as well as the AL Central, and we'll do the the whole rules changes thing here first just because I think that's the most top of mind. But I, I am curious to see what you guys out there think. Text the Better You Today text line at 55305. And let me know about the rules changes that you're looking at that, you, that you've seen out there for Major League Baseball that, that's being put into certain – minor league leagues or that you've seen in spring training, what you think about them, what you want, what you don't want. Let me know on the better you today text line five, five, three, zero five. And uh, we'll get to that in the next segment after we talk about what the Atlantic league is doing. Also, you can find us on social media. I'm at like Lynch 27 on Twitter. Joe is at Joe fish three F I S C H three on Twitter. And Patrick who is out today is at P D D zero eight five on Instagram where you can find his various posts about beer, including our beers on us podcast, which drops tomorrow little uh, self-promotion around four o'clock we went up to Lewitt in Vancouver for our next takeover so you can listen to that then but you know I, I've talked about it on this show quite a bit and I mean it's been kind of a staple topic over the last couple of years that we've been doing this show talking about rules changes and baseball wanting to, to change and get faster and, and get more young fans and my opinion has always been pretty much the same I'm okay with changes and I understand that some changes need to happen to attract more fans and to attract younger fans. I don't necessarily like them because I love baseball the way it is, but I would be willing to accept and deal with them because I understand the benefit that it could have. However, because of how quickly this season, these changes seem to be cropping up on us, you know, the pitch clock stuff is now in spring training. It might even be in uh full-time in Major League Baseball this year if it goes well in spring training. And they're talking about that three-batter rule for relief pitchers, and it goes on and on and on. It feels like a lot really fast. And in a sport that moves slow, and in a sport that has fans that 
generally are, are like Joe said, are kind of like old manning it and don't want the sport to change. Doing it all at once doesn't feel like the right thing to do. It it feels like ripping the Band-Aid off, but the Band-Aid's been on the fan's arm for 100 years and is now basically melted into the skin. You're basically, this is going to sound super gruesome, but it's just what popped into my head. You're basically flaying baseball fans, ripping my the skin God. off. I've been watching Game of Thrones, don't worry. Um, <laughs> ripping the skin off. and yourself for April, I see. <laughs> I'm catching up, yes. Uh, I, wa- I my wife and I are watching it from the start, and we're into season three at this point. I'm uh, I'm also looking forward, but yet worried about the next Game of Thrones reference. What it might be? Uh, don't worry about it. <laughs> I haven't gotten to that episode yet. Um, but it's basically like ripping it off, ripping the bandit off way too fast. And if you're going to make these changes, I think they have to be slow, incremental, see what works, test it out heavily in independent leagues or minor leagues, and then make final decisions because. I think you're seeing a lot of pushback from players on these rule changes. And I think you're seeing a lot of pushback from fans on some of these rules changes, even though I've been one who's been more willing to accept them. The, the stuff we're going to talk about next, a couple of them really, really frustrate me. So uh, again, text your thoughts better. You today text line five, five, three, zero five on some of these rules changes coming up next. The Atlantic league is going to be doing a ton of different things this year as the major league baseball uses them as a Guinea pig on some of these rules. We'll tell you what they are next. And, Share our opinions. This is the Hot Corner on 1080 to the Fan. This is the Hot Corner with Harrison Lynch on 1080 the Fan. 716 here on the Hot Corner. No Patrick today. He's out dealing with a family issue. Hope all is well there. Mike and Joe with you till 8 o'clock tonight before we lead you into Ducks basketball. The Atlantic League, which is in the minors, uh, is going to be using experimental rule changes for Major League Baseball this coming season. Here is a list of some of them that uh, are fine and don't really cause much controversy among baseball fans. Uh, They're going to increase the size of first, second, and third base from 15 inches to 18 inches square. Probably just a safety thing, which is totally fine. I don't think that has much of any effect on the game. Well, and who doesn't like them bigger? So, I mean, come on, give them three inches. (laughs) My God, <laughs> keep it going. There's a few. There's a lot here. No mound, no mound visits permitted by players or coaches, other than for pitching changes or medical issues. I like that. Uh, I, I am. I don't mind pitching cha- or mound visits because I understand the importance of them. But my oh my, can those take forever and really really hamper a game? And the the limits, the pitching visit limits last year didn't really do anything. So are they going to have like an ump run out there and talk to the manager before and be like, hey, what's this about? Like, is that? Or are they going to have an ump standing by eavesdropping? Well, I just imagine that if they don't pull the pitcher, then they're going to be there's going to be a penalty of some sort. Ah, okay. Afterwards, and they'll be like, "Oh, it's a it's an instant walk for the guy coming up, or a ball, or something like that, like a ball." Gotcha, gotcha. That's fine. I I'm down with having less mound visits because it, it takes a long time, and the limit last year was just silly and didn't really stop anyone from visiting the mound at all. Time between innings and pitching changes reduced from two hundred five to one forty five. Great. Whatever, whatever. I mean, that's just less time in commercials, too, which is fine for me as the viewer. But if that shortens games a tiny bit, then cool. Distance from pitching rubber to home plate extended 24 inches in the second half of the season only. No change to the mound height or slope. That's interesting. I I think it's just they're trying to find ways to mitigate how dominant pitching has become recently. And moving the mound back will obviously make it a little bit harder to pitch and the speed won't be quite as effective season. 
I think they're going to see the difference. Probably they're going to do a, uh, a stat comparison from the first half to the second half to okay, see okay. how drastic the change is. Um, we've already talked about the three batter rule. I don't like it. Patrick didn't like it, but they're going to try that as well. Yeah, I'm. I don't like it either. Here's two. These are the two big ones that are going to cause a little bit of a controversy or at least discussion. Number one, require two infielders to be on each side of second base when a pitch is released. If not, the ball is dead and the umpire shall call a ball, a.k.a. they are killing shifts, (laughs) infield shifts. So this is an interesting one to me because a lot of a lot of baseball fans cry about the shifts because so many hitters don't have the ability or don't seem to care about hitting it to the opposite field. And it does take away offense and it does hurt star players. I mean, Bryce Harper was hurt by it last year. I mean, not that he's good anymore, but your, your boy, Chris Davis has been hurt by it a lot in his career as well. And there's a ton of examples for guys who get extreme shifts. Frankly, some teams shift extreme shift, AKA three guys on one side of the field in that martini glass shape for almost every batter because most batters have pretty significant splits, whether they hit it to the right side or the left side. I I have never been one who, who has disliked the shift. I think it's a very interesting strategy in the game. It takes a lot of analyzing batters and, and learning tendencies. And if it's a way to stop the other team from winning, I'm all for it. But I understand that it takes offense away. How many, singles to the infield are gone because you hit it to the second baseman who's standing in right field. And I understand that that's not as fun to watch for casual baseball fans. So although I like the strategy of the shift and I like that it it adds an element, a, a, a piece of depth to the game. If it goes away, if you're required to have two infielders on each side, you could still shift a little bit. It just won't be as extreme. Fine. That's okay. Yeah. I'm on board with that for the, I'm on board with that. I, whenever I see a shift, my personal feeling is it goes back and forth because I see it happen, and then I have to track everyone down. I'm like, okay, where's the shortstop? Well, where? All right, so because they're all scattered all over the place, right? And that to me just isn't baseball. Again, it's just taking advantage of the info and the stats and analytics that you have to record an easier out. Which again, that's that's baseball. I mean, that's using what you have to strategize. And then we've heard the argument before. So many people say these guys get paid millions of dollars. They should learn how to hit the ball the other way into the open space. Which, not so easy. Again, not yeah, not as easy as it sounds. You obviously hear about the very talented hitters who they can put it wherever they want on the field, but that's just not the case for every MLB player. So I also just like the fact of I know where first, second, short, third is. The six four three double play that. That's the staple double play. Sometimes in turns into like a five, six, three double play it, because there's guys all over the field. Exactly. It's just to me, that is the classic baseball infield formation right there. So that's, that's a little old man of you there, Joe. It, it is. It Don't is touch my classic man. numbers in the scorebook. It is a little old man. I know. But um, that's just the thing with the shifts is whenever it goes down, I'm just kind of like, well, that that's no fun. Like, come on, you guys just stay in your spots. Just play. Let's play some baseball here. All right. right just, like. I stay there. <laughs> I feel like to me, this is kind of, this epitomizes my opinion on, on all of this change stuff is I don't want it to change because I enjoy the strategy of it, but I understand the benefit of it and I'm willing to accept it. If it was up to me, baseball would stay exactly how it is right now. I freaking adore the sport. I love it to death. It, 
it makes me just genuinely happy. And if you listen a couple of weeks ago, we kind of had a segment just glowing about the sport of baseball and how much we love it. You'll, you'll hear how much I truly care about this sport and one that if it, if it never changed again, I'd be totally content because it's just something that I love. I feel the same way about the DH and the NL. I mean, I'm an AL fan. So to me, I like the DH, but I understand a lot of people don't like that. You're getting rid of the strategy of the pitching changes and all that kind of stuff. I don't think there's that much strategy in that anymore, but there is some, so I, I don't want to change it for that aspect, but I understand that it would increase offense in the national league, get rid of a bad hitter every, every time through the lineup. So I would be for it, but this last one here for me. Oh, sorry. One text in the better you today text line. Then we will get to the last one. So if a star player can't hit a curveball, do we ban the curveball? Get better. Don't change the rules against defensive strategy. I think a lot of baseball fans do feel that way about that for sure. The last rule, and this is one that I am not happy about, and I think a lot of people think I'm out in left field on this, and I, I'm totally okay if I am. Home plate umpire assisted in calling balls and strikes oh, whoa, whoa. by a track man radar <laughs> tracking system. <laughs> I read that just before you said it. And yeah, that's why I'm laughing. Robot uh, umpires are uh, are coming right. to the Atlantic League and minor league baseball. So this got talked about on primetime last week when Suk and I were doing the show. And I would say 95 to 5% ratio. 95% of listeners were 100% for robot umpires. 95%. It was a huge amount who were for robot umpires. I am curious Yeesh. about our listeners because we're more diehard baseball fans in the general 1080 the fan listeners. So I'm curious, text in the better you today, text line 55305. Are you for or against robot umpires? Um, I am so against this for home plate umpires that it's not even funny. I think of all the rules changes that have been proposed, this is the one that I am the most against in Major League Baseball. And this, I'm telling you, this might sound really, really silly, but I like the umpire aspect of the game. I like the human element. I like that there's human error. I like that pitching uh, or uh, strike zones are different based on the umpire. I like that there's controversy. I like that there's arguments and ejections. And I like that game to game, it's not the same. I enjoy that. I enjoy that in all sports. This is not just a baseball thing. I love the human element. I would hate it. And I mean, I, I like instant replay because I, I like getting to see it and that you get some of the calls right. But if we didn't have instant replay, I wouldn't be mad because I like that there's human element in, in the game. I, I, I talked about this last week. In the Thunder Blazer game, I loved that the referee in that game had such an impact at the end because it was just interesting. It was it was an added storyline. I know it it slowed the game down a little bit, but for me, it's something that I, it's an added benefit to me. It's a controversial thing that you can talk about with your friends after the game. I, <laughs> and in baseball, I feel that way a hundred percent about the strike zone and about balls and strikes. You have to know what you're getting into with certain umpires. And that's another strategy thing. If you want to think of it that yeah. way, you have to be able to adjust to guys calling a wide zone. Yeah. You have to be able to adjust to guys calling an arrow zone or a high zone or a low zone or whatever. Uh, I like that it can change during the game if the guy gets a different perspective or if a pitcher has a different arm angle and you have to adjust again. I enjoy that. It is a fun thing for me to watch. And if they get rid of that, I won't stop watching baseball, but there is going to be a certain, a certain essence of the game that is missing. And to me, having a robot call balls and strikes is not in the spirit of the game. I understand instant replay. I understand the uses of it. 
But all balls and strikes being completely automatic and having the strike zone be uniform to me is not in the spirit of baseball. No, not at all. And if you're thinking of Ken Burns baseball being played somewhere in 50, 60 years now from now and, you know, kids are watching that growing up and they're like, what is all this? Why are they getting in fights or old clips of managers getting tossed and players getting thrown out and arguments between umpires and players. It's like, whoa, what's this? It's like, oh, yeah, that doesn't happen anymore, little Timmy. Uh, we have robots that do that job now, and so we the don't have to The umpire stands there that. and has a little earpiece in, and it goes, yeah. ball, and he goes, ball. Exactly. Like, that is the umpire-player relationship battle throughout the game. And, it's great. I mean, that is such a fundamental part of the game. It's an emotional part of the game. What was the a couple years ago um, when the it was a benches clearing brawl? I want to say, or it could have just been when a manager got tossed. But they had the first base umpire mic'd up, and I would I almost wanted to find the audio because I think we might have it in the system. But it was such a, a human moment where you could hear the manager going off, cursing up a storm. Oh, that was uh, and Terry f- Collins and Noah Syndergaard, right? Yes, yes. On and, the Mets. Um, and then the first base umpire just trying to hold him back and tell him why he's he getting tossed chief, and yeah. everything. Yeah, and it's just such – you don't hear that a lot. And that is such a human emotional element and the conversation between them yelling back and forth. Like that is such a perfect moment. And what – are robots going to be able to sense out attitude when a manager is staring at someone or arguing balls and strikes, and then an umpire is like, well, that's that's what the robot told me. So. Well, and yeah, I, yeah the, the manager will no longer have room to argue. That will slowly dissipate. I'm sure some will still do it because it's part of the – just their intensity in the game Trackmaster 3000 is my overlord so uh, (laughs) i obey what he says and you know i can imagine the the manager yelling at the ump and the ump just turns and goes what do you want me to do about it man it's what it told me in my ear (laughs) i have to say what he tells me or else i'm gonna lose my job okay i I will say not trying to be completely replaced here i will say i am feeling a little bit better with the baseball fan listeners in the show today, because it's it's pretty much switched. There's a couple of people who are for it, but most people are now agreeing with me and saying no robot umpires. I I just think it's something that non-baseball fans don't understand. And maybe, I don't know if I want to say this because it's it might be wrong and it's just something that popped into my head now. So forgive me if, if you find other examples in other sports, but... There's something about the spirit of baseball that is unique in sports. I don't know if there's a true, maybe in hockey, maybe in the NHL, there's a bit of this. There's a spirit of the NHL. There's things that kind of just happen. I mean, you've got the the fighting and all that kind of stuff. So maybe that's, that's another example of this. But I, I think of the NFL and the NBA, at this point, I'm not sure there's much that's in the spirit of the game anymore. Truly, or or it doesn't have as big of an impact, maybe is the right way to say it, that it does in baseball, in my opinion, because there's just, for lack of a, a better term, and for just going to be memeing over here, it just means more in baseball. <laughs> it just means more. And it's, I know that sounds super generic and stupid, but I really honestly believe that. And that's why I think, so many baseball fans are so against these changes, whatever they are, how, however small they might be. And that's why I am so against the robot home plate umpire thing, because it just changes it. That it, is, it changes. It. That is such a fundamental part of baseball. That is from little leagues to the majors, just dealing with the umpires and 
that just that back and forth between coaches, players, managers, and the umps, that that's something that just can't be taken away. Uh, a couple of texts on the Better You Today text line before we go to break here. Against takes away an incredibly human part of the game. Agreed. And as Joe brought up, the very emotional part of the game. That is such a key in terms of how we passionately support our teams and and discuss the sport afterwards. Calling balls and strikes is part art, part science. Technology will only ruin it. 100%. 100%. It will be all science in that sense, and then you you lose the you lose the human element as part of it. P1 Dustin says, why do you hate science so much, Mike? Do you think the earth's flat too? I'm all for T1000 behind the plate. It's a strike or not. Get it right and move on. T1000. I, I understand like that that thought process. I, I understand wanting the call to be right 100% of the time. And I think maybe four years ago, five years, year, years ago, I might have thought that same thing. Just get the call right. Who cares? I've I've mellowed on that opinion so hard. I, I really, I'm I'm all for the call being wrong. I, th- I just think it's fun. It, it just adds intrigue, and I, I enjoy it so much. All right, we got a break. Remember, only two segments left today, or else we would still be talking about this next segment, but uh, we got to move on. Didn't get a chance to talk the AL Central last week. We'll do a quick preview of that division, and then we'll get into the AL East before we wrap this baby up. But first, Joe Esports. This is the Hot Corner with Harrison Lynch on 1080 The Fan. 7.37 here. Nope, that's the wrong time. 7.38. There's two clocks in here, and they're on different times. And the one on my left slowly gets slower. Every day, it's slowly behind. You have the same issue, Joe. The one right in front of you is slower than the one that's on the screen above you. Yeah, by like two minutes. <laughs> it's, it's pretty pretty ridiculous. We are doing divisional previews here on the show, but the problem is, is last week we didn't have a show and we didn't know we didn't have a show until later. So let's just quickly do a quick uh, little look at the AL Central. And honestly, I don't feel like we need to t- talk too much about the AL Central. You got the Indians and everybody else. That is 100% what it has been the last two years. And I still feel the same way about that. The Royals are hardcore tanking. The Tigers are hardcore tanking. The White Sox went hard for Manny Machado. That didn't happen for them. And the Twins made a couple of nice moves. that will probably mean they'll be in second place in the division. I'm not sure there's too much more to go beyond that. Nelson Cruz is the twin now, if you forgot about that. Um, White Sox did add some players, but they were more, hey, we're Manny Machado's friends and relatives. And now that he's not there, I'm not sure quite how good they're going to be. They they do have some good young players that didn't exactly pan out last year, but maybe Yohan Moncada or uh, Lucas Giolito will play better this year. And their their star reliever, Michael Kopech, who they got in the Chris Sale trade from the Red Sox, is hurt and likely not going to pitch at least for – it might be the entire season or it might be half the season. I can't remember what it was. But uh, that's the AL Central for you. Nice and easy. Any hot takes in that division there, Joe, or is it Indians, everybody else, and – uh, cute job everybody yeah um unless i i mean it's honestly gonna have to be one of those rando teams that no one sees coming like i guess the twins last year were sort of like that um and they kind of faltered off towards the end of the season i mean finished six games below 500 so i don't know i mean does nelson cruz really move the needle that much jonathan scope i mean they're grabbing all the four more former Orioles Marwin Gonzalez I mean they've he's good yeah maybe Byron Buxton kind of puts it together at the plate but probably not um, it's a team that has a bunch of 
bunch of young guys who last year made a name for themselves a little bit. Remember Eddie Rosario in the first half? He was so good. Uh, it's just, it hasn't, nothing is super exciting about them, but I think Cruz gives you the pop that you've lacked for a long time. Now looking at their and starting And the first lineup, year without Joe Maurer in a long time. Oh yeah, very true. Um, looking at their starting lineup though, I like their one, two, three, and even four, honestly, if Michael Pineda can Whoa. stay consistent for Michael him. Pineda's still in the league. But they're uh, Jose Barrios, Kyle Gibson, Jake Odorizzi, and uh, Michael Pineda, Mar- Martin Perez, who's hasn't really been himself for the last few years, but he was pretty solid on Texas a couple couple years. So that could be an interesting one, two, three, and uh, possibly the rest, but chances are Pineda and Perez are going to get injured throughout the year at some point. I had no idea Michael Pineda was still in the league. That's uh, that's kind of a cool, interesting story, I guess. Uh, all right, so that's the AL Central for you. Just quick and easy, not not anything too crazy to talk about. AL East is what we'll focus on today. We'll do the NL East next week, and then when John's here, we'll do the AL West. But AL East, you know what, Joe? Let's start with your Baltimore Orioles. And you said you opened up roster resource and you looked at their starting lineup and you wanted to cry a little bit. Well, yeah, I was saying that, oh, well, I was like, do you have to pay for roster resource? I was like, it's just not loading up for me. I I don't know if it's the internet or what. And uh, then the Orioles lineup did load up for me. And my God, I wish it didn't. How many names on this list do you know? And I'm talking to you specifically because you are a Baltimore Orioles fan. Leading off in center field, Cedric Mullins. Nope. Second base, Jonathan Villar. Yes, just because of yeah. yeah. Trey Mancini, Chris Davis, 3-4, you know those guys. Yep. Third base, Renato Nunez. No. DH, Anthony Santander. The or last Santander. name is familiar, but for the most part, he whatever. Right field, Austin Hayes. Austin Hayes, yes. Catcher, Chance yeah. Sisko. Chance Sisko, yes. I, um, I do know who that is. Yep. Shortstop, Richie Martin. No. And uh, you do have Mark Trumbo, but he's hurt. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, so. Doubtful for opening day. Um, Alex Cobb, opening day pitcher. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> Let's go, Ric Flair. The era has become, as Sue <laughs> would say. So outside of Chris Davis, who's old, 33, 24, 27, 27, 24, 24, 23, 24, and 24. Now, that's a young team right there. Chris Davis is the savvy vet on this team. The savvy vet hitting 150. Yes. Oh, my God. 150. All right, let's move it along. Yeah, okay. The Orioles are going to be really bad. They're probably going to be the worst team in baseball. Whoa. I saw Whoa. definitely the worst team in baseball. Excuse me. I mean, come on. You're going after Adley Rutschman, first pick next year. Well, right. I think that might we might have that pick, that first pick, because of last season, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so, you do. You're right. Mm, you right. might go from black and orange to black and orange. We'll see. And then you'll have the first pick again in two years. <laughs> no. No. I'm well, determined to not finish last. This year? Yes. Dude, your team is the worst team in baseball. We're not going to spend any more time on these Orioles, all right? They're going to be bad. We, we know that. I saw a story on ESPN today that said, uh, will the Orioles win 58 games? <laughs> imagine being put on that assignment oh my god 58 all right we got to hit a break here we'll get to the the other four teams in the division we'll talk about your world series defending champs the boston red sox the favorites at the moment this year in vegas are the yankees and then you got the rays and blue jays as well so that's next as we wrap up the hot corner here on 10 to the fan this is the hot corner with harrison lynch on 1080 the fan All right, last segment for us tonight, a quick uh, one-hour edition of the Hot Corner with uh, the Oregon Ducks game coming up 
next here on the fan against Washington State in the Pac-12 tournament. We will wrap up our ALEs preview as quickly and efficiently as we can. I'm really wildly interested how the Red Sox do this year. The defending world champions, it is really hard to repeat in baseball as, as a World Series champion, but that's not why I'm interested. I'm interested because they haven't added anybody to the team, and that's not a joke. Their entire team is basically exactly the same as last year, but they lost a couple of players. Um, Craig Kimbrell, closer, gone. He's not signed yet, but he's gone. Joe Kelly, reliever, gone. And uh, Ian Kinsler, who was traded at the deadline, gone to San Diego. What they did was they re-signed Anthony Evaldi to a bigger deal. They re-signed Steve Pierce. They re-signed Eduardo's new, or, or they took the player option on Eduardo Nunez. They picked up the club option on Chris Sale as well. That's all they did. So their lineup is identical to last year. Benintendi, Betts, Martinez, Bogarts, Moreland, Pedroia, Devers, Vasquez, Bradley Jr. Starting rotation is exactly the same as last year, minus Pomeranz. Sale, Price, Porcello, Eduardo Rodriguez, Nathan Eovaldi. It's the bullpen that's terrifying to me, and it should be terrifying to you if you're a Red Sox fan as well. Their lineup can hit with anybody. Their staff is really good. If not if not unspectacular name-wise, it is good uh, in – in the season, it it always performs well, but their bullpen is a collection of random dudes and castoffs that could work out if they if they if they trust their scouting department and, and are high on these guys, then sure. But right now, this is their bullpen. They're, you have two closers on on this: Ryan Brazier and Matt Barnes. You've got a setup guy in Heath, Heath Embry, Tyler Thornburg, who's been coming back from injury for a while, Brandon Workman, Brian Johnson, Hector Velasquez. I mean. In a division where, although I am biased because I'm a Yankee fan, in a division where the Yankees have the best bullpen in baseball. Yeah, and, that's and I your, just looked at that thing. My God. And it's your main rival, and you come at it with that. That might cause some issues. But their lineup might make up for it, too. But that that is why I'm so fascinated by them. They didn't do anything that, yeah, except that, lose everybody in their bullpen who was good. That offense and that starting pitching might just be well enough to compensate for that. I know that the... Uh, bullpen and having a solid bullpen guys that can take over in the fifth, sixth, seventh has been somewhat of a trend over that last half decade or so. But uh, that offense puts up runs. Yes. And they did it all year last year. And Chris Sale, David Price, I mean, they got a, they got a, st- a solid starting lineup. So, again, they might be able to compensate for those uh, randos you just listed off there. That's just uh, – I'm fascinated by what they're what they're doing because it – I know you said this in the break. If it's not broke, don't fix it. And I I do subscribe to that. But when you have an ability to get even better and you were already that good and you won the World Series because of it, I feel like you take that opportunity. And I feel like a lot of teams would take that opportunity. So very, very curious to see what happens with them this year and if they are able to win the division again this year. Because right now in Vegas, the favorites to win the division and the favorites to win the most games in the league is the Yankees. And the Yankees... Granted, didn't do a ton this offseason either. Their biggest impact move is getting James Paxton from the Mariners in that trade to help bolster their staff, which uh, certainly lacked for depth last year. And Luis Severino is starting hurt. But with Severino back, you're going to have Severino, Paxton, Tanaka, J-Hap, and CC Sabathia, who's also starting, uh, I believe, actually suspended. But that's a good staff and better because you have Paxton. Your lineup is basically identical. All you did was lose Didi Gregorius to injury. So you've added 
Troy Tulowitzki and DJ Mayhew to kind of fill that gap for now. And then the bullpen, you lost David Robertson and you added Adam Adovino. So it's still really, really stinking good. You go Chapman, Batances, Britton, Adovino, Chad Green as your back five in that bullpen. And the other the other guys aren't anything to sniff at either in the pen. Jonathan Holder and Tommy Canley are also good pitchers. So to me, the Yankees' strength is their bullpen as it was last year. And I think you just helped your pitching staff, which was good but not great, become potentially great with, with getting Paxton in there as well. So, I mean, uh, if taking the Yankee fan hat off, this team looks like it's the best in the division. Their lineup is not as good as the Red Sox. Totally uh, totally easy to admit that. But I think the staff is comparable and the bullpen's way better. So, I guess pick your poison, but I do think they're the best team in the division, at least on paper. Yeah, I mean, it's, yeah, really just whatever your preferred taste is with the Red Sox or the Yankees. I mean, you could take the Red Sox, obviously, because they just won it all. You could take the Yankees because they got rid of Sonny Gray and added James Paxton, which I think is just huge, swapping those two around. Like, you kidding me? Thank you. <laughs> Jesus. So, and then, yeah. The just fact look- that they got a prospect for Sonny Gray is crazy as it is. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, just looking at the rest of the division, it, it will be one of those two. The Blue Jays, they'll probably be better than the Orioles, but they're going to be just as bad as um, everybody else in the MLB and the well, AL. I mean, the Rays, they were a nice team last year, uh, having their kind of closer um, or clopening situation, whatever you want to call it. I'm going to closer start the first inning, and they were competitive all the way towards the end of the year. So we'll see if they can do it again. But I don't know. I think the Yankees, just because I feel like that pitching staff altogether is dynamite. Yeah, if, if they perform to their level, then I think it, it's as good as the Red Sox staff. Now, I mean, CC is old, and it's his last year, and maybe he's not that good anymore. And, you know, Tanaka will give up a bunch of home runs, and Severino was inconsistent last year. But if Severino pitches like he can, if Tanaka pitches like he can, and you get Paxton to stay healthy, then – I think that's that's set with the Blue Jays. I don't really care how they do. I want to watch Vlad Guerrero Jr. come up and play because he he's not going to come up immediately. There's the whole service time thing. But if he comes up at around May or something like that, that's going to be a story. And I want to watch Vlad Guerrero Jr. play really, really bad. And I'm sure the Rays will be better than we think they will or than, than we think they are. Right. Uh, they might do more opener stuff. Blake Snell was the best pitcher in the American league last year added Charlie Morton. Yep. Tyler glass now who pitched pretty well when getting traded from Pittsburgh as well. So they're, they're starting rotations actually not that bad now. So I don't know how many times you'll see them do the opener, but they'll well, be better and, than we think. And I think the blue Jays will be exciting because of Vlad Guerrero. And, and looking at their, their uh, bullpen there, I don't recognize a single person on there. No. So I don't know if they will stick with that. And if they do, I mean, we'll, we'll see, but at the moment, they're, but the Rays have always had bullpens who you don't recognize, and yet they're always pretty good. That's true. The, Ra- the Rays are always the team that is just – they hang around long enough, and they're annoying to the teams in the division, and then all of a sudden they're in the wild card hunt at the end of the season. You're like, wait, what? The Tampa Bay Rays are in, in the hunt? Come on now. So there's our AL East preview and our quick AL Central preview as well. Next week we will do the NL East, which I know Patrick and I are both quite excited about. And then the week after with John, the day before opening day, we will have John in and we will do the AL West and chat with him about the Mariners and if he's going to be able to watch this year and all those fun things. So that's still to come the next couple of weeks. Hopefully Patrick will be back next week. Thank you so much for hanging out with us for the short show today. Coming up next, 
Oregon Ducks basketball Pac-12 tournament. Pre-game is at 8. Tip is around 8.30, maybe 8.45. Depends when the Stanford-UCLA game ends. The winner will play Utah tomorrow, and that will also be if it's the Ducks on the fan tomorrow at about the same time, 8 o'clock pre-game, 8.30 tip. Thanks for listening. Thanks for texting the Better You Today text line, and we'll see you next week.